0: Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Well, good morning. morning. Welcome to Life in the Sun. Well, it's been a rich time already this morning. I trust that you are experiencing God, hearing from God. There's more where that came from. Are you ready for the word? Well, I'm Mark Beneventi, welcome to week four in our series entitled Great Faith. Great faith is a closer look at people of faith who experienced God recorded in the Bible. And as we learn about people of great faith, it's important to keep a certain perspective. As we read about their lives, it's possible to focus on the highlights and overlook the long journey of learning to trust God. It's important to think of them as real people in the Bible, because we can be tempted to see them as spiritual superheroes. And in a way, they are. But I don't want us to forget that they didn't start out that way. There was a lifelong journey of learning to trust God. When anyone first begins to experience God, including people in the Bible, they struggle with the same questions we do. Questions like, how can I have great faith in the midst of impossible circumstances? How can I trust God when the promise of God seems impossible? Our topic today will answer these questions. The title of today's message is How to Develop Great Faith. This is very important to me Because 30 years ago, there was a season in my life when I worked very hard for the church. And I thought I was trusting God, but in reality, I was trusting in myself. Back in the 1970s, almost 50 years ago, God began to restore the presence and the power of small groups in the church around the globe. And most churches realized the value of this and they jumped in with both feet. And in the early 90s, I went to Singapore to a cell church conference and I brought the program back to Guam and I immediately implemented it in my church. And after working really hard for a year, I was proud of the fact that 80% of the people were actually attending small groups on a weekly basis. That was great, but the problem was I had organized a man-made system in my own effort. Now, there's nothing wrong with being organized. Nothing wrong with systems. God is organized beyond our imagination. He has systems that we don't even know about. The problem was the heart behind it. I was willing to ignore relationships in order to accomplish a goal. I was willing to leave people behind even if they were not on board. I moved ahead even if my wife couldn't keep up. I moved ahead even if my boss even if my leader didn't get it. This is very different from, say, for example, Moses. Moses wandered in the desert for 40 years because the people were afraid to go into the promised land. He didn't say, forget you guys, I'm going anyway. I'm going to leave you behind. No, Moses stayed with people. And I imagine that was a real struggle for him. God was interested in the whole nation of Israel, not just Moses and Joshua, and Caleb. Moses didn't leave people behind. Today, that program that I organized 30 years ago with 80% of the people attending small groups on a weekly basis, it does not exist. God's ways are not our ways. Romans 14, Paul said, Whatever is not a faith in him, trusting him, is sin. When we get to heaven, there will be be rewards for things that we did in faith, things that we did trusting him for the results. And there'll be loss of reward for the things that we did not do in faith. And there will be no reward for some of those works I did 30 years ago when I was trusting in my own effort. And this is why faith in Jesus is important to me. And this is why faith... In him is important to all of us. This is why we brought Henson Lim from Singapore to teach us about how to be awakened and how to be aligned with God and how to be assigned by God for the kingdom of God. So, having said that, what is faith? As Jarrett said, where is Jarrett? Jarrett, there he is. Thank you, Jarrett. Jarrett did a great job last Sunday. How many of you appreciate Jarrett? As Jarrett said last week, faith is to believe, but it's more than intellectual assent. Faith is belief followed by action, to have complete trust demonstrated by relying on God. Here's an example of belief, and complete trust demonstrated by action. Imagine a professional tightrope walker, and he's gathered a large crowd because he is doing a tightrope walk above a segment of Niagara Falls. He's got a wheelbarrow, he takes the rubber tire off, he's just using the rim, and he walks that wheelbarrow across the tightrope, goes all the way to the end and comes back, and the crowd is applauding. And he says, you want to see it again? They're like, yeah, do it again. And he goes, you think I can? They're like, yeah, do it again. And he goes, okay, who here wants to get in the wheelbarrow? <laughs> and that moment of testing, that moment of testing what they really believe represents how we can feel when we sense that God is prompting us to do something, we feel like he's inviting us to get in the wheelbarrow While he takes a journey over the water. How do you develop enough faith to get in the wheelbarrow? Well, what if the tightrope walker said, you know what? Let's practice first. We're just going to do it on land. Any volunteers? Like, oh, yeah, easy. No problem. I can do that. He says, okay, well, now we're going to graduate to the next level. We're going to do it on a wood beam about 12 inches off the ground. Can you handle that? Like, yeah, 12 inches, yeah, if we fall, I just jump out, land on my feet, I'm still good. Okay, now let's try four feet. Like, four feet, not too bad, I'm five foot nine, jump out, I'm still on my feet, no problem. What about six feet? Well, six feet can be a little bit of a fall if you're not too acrobatic and, you know, can move like a cat and land on your feet. But you know what, he's done it with 12 inches and two feet and four feet, so, and he hasn't dropped me yet, so why not? Let's give it a try. And so you do six feet. And then he says, okay, now let's do it for a longer distance. And so you do it for a longer distance. You know what? This is turning out to be pretty fun. I like this. And he goes, you like this? I'm like, yeah. He goes, okay, well, why don't, why don't we keep doing this? Because I need an assistant in my show. You want a part-time job? And so you do that, and it's working out, and it becomes popular, and he's traveling all over the country, and now it becomes full-time. And now you've been a part of his circus for 10 years. And in that 10 years, he has never dropped you once. And now 10 years later, you're back at Niagara Falls. Do you think that it would be easier to trust him now than it was 10 years ago when you had no idea what he was all about? The point is this, great faith is the result of experiencing God. Last year, we learned about the great faith of Abraham in the Unwavering series. Do you remember that series? This was back in November. Because Abraham trusted God, his wife Sarah had a baby in her old age. However, verse 11 of Hebrews 11 talks about Sarah's faith. We'll read it together. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. The author of Hebrews is showing us how men and women of the Bible trusted God. And what we just, said, what we just read was Sarah's response later in life. The first time, but that was not her response the first time that she had heard that God would give her a son. The first time she understood that God would give her a son, do you remember what she did? Yeah. She laughed. She was like, yeah, right. (laughs) How is that going to happen? Because she was past the age of bearing children. And Abraham, he was 75 years old. Here it is in Genesis 18. So she laughed silently to herself and said, How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is so old. Wives, turn to your husband and say, my master (laughs) is so old. (laughs) If you're feeling a sense of tension right now, we invite you to the He Said, She Said (laughs) seminar on conflict resolution and communication. (laughs) We'll help you out. (laughs) So how did Sarah change from doubting to trusting? I mean, what changed? What caused her to say later in life, he who had promised is faithful? We can go to the next slide. So how did she go from doubt to belief? Well, it will help to review the timeline of her first encounter with God and her later encounter with God. The time that she first heard that God was going to give her a son, and the time that God came to her again and announced it would happen soon was 25 years. Abraham was 75 years old when they first heard the news that they would have a son. And in that 25-year period, two major events took place. One of them happened right after they heard that God was going to give them a son. If you recall, if you've read the story, God was on his way from Abraham to Sodom and Gomorrah, and he said, shall we keep our plans hidden from Abraham? Since he is going to become a great nation and the father of many, shall we keep our plans hidden from him? And God decides to tell Abraham what's about to happen, that Sodom and Gomorrah is about to be destroyed because their sin had reached a tipping point. Now, if you know the story, Abraham's nephew Lot was living there, And of course, Abraham is concerned, and so he says, God, I mean, surely you wouldn't kill the righteous along with the unrighteous, would you? And God says, no. And so then Abraham begins to negotiate with God. He says, well, what if you just find only 50 righteous people? Would you still spare the city? And then he negotiates further. He gets down to 40 and 30 and 20, and then down to 10. Would you spare the city just for 10? And the Lord says, yes. But the Lord had a different plan, and he sent the angels to bring Lot out of the city. And so, they did that. Early the next morning, Abraham and Sarah woke up, woke up and they looked toward the valley of Sodom and Gomorrah and they saw a great pillar of smoke because God had overcome the cities. That experience, that experience that they witnessed, you know, that could have happened without them knowing what the bigger picture was. But God, God allowed them to know what was happening behind the scenes and why it was happening And because of that, they were aware that nothing is impossible for God. That was the first event. The second event is found in Genesis chapter 20. They were traveling through an area called the Negev. And in that area, there was a king by the name of Abimelech. Abimelech, as you know from the culture in in that part of the world, they had harems. And Sarah, although she was very old, apparently was still very attractive And Abimelech took a liking to Sarah. And Abraham, afraid that Abimelech would kill him if he found out that Sarah was his wife, he told Sarah to lie and to say that he was, or that she was, Abraham's half sister, which was a half truth, which is kind of like drinking a cup of water that's half poisoned. It's still poison. And a half truth is still a lie. And so Abimelech took Sarah into his harem. One night he was asleep, and he had a dream from God. You know, and Abraham, the reason he lied, because he thought in this country that he's traveling through that there's, there's no other believers, there's no, there's no godly people out there. But here is Abimelech. He gets a prophetic dream, of revelation from God, that Sarah is Abraham's wife. And he says, return Sarah to her husband, and ask him to pray for you because he is a prophet. And the reason the Lord asked Abimelech to have Abraham pray for him is because of what had happened. The Lord closed all the wombs of the women in, in Abimelech's household. And so Abraham prayed. Abimelech actually scolded him. He said, How could you do such a thing? It's interesting. Sometimes you can, somebody who's walking with God, you know, you can be convicted by others. That happened in this situation. But Abraham prayed for him. And then the Bible says that God opened the wombs of all the women in Abimelech's household. So now keep that in mind in light of Sarah's situation. She's not been able to have children all of her life. And now here she is traveling through a foreign country, another community. She witnesses that God is not only able to close the womb of a woman, but also to reopen the wombs of the women. And that's a very significant lesson in light of what God was trying to communicate to her about her promise for a son. These two very significant events happen during a span of 25 years. From the time God reveals his promise to the time he announces that it will happen soon. And God allows Abraham and Sarah to see what God can do so that they can believe the miracle that he has promised them. In some, great faith is the result of experiencing God. Great faith is also the result of hearing from God. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, that's Romans 10, 17. When you read the Bible, let it be more than just gaining knowledge. Let it be a way for you to interact with God. Let it be a way to you, for you to hear from God. When you pray, let it be more than just talking to God. Let it be a time when you are also listening to God so that you can hear from him. One day I was at the University of Guam and I was walking by the library and I saw three men standing under a tree and I felt clearly impressed that God wanted me to go talk to them about their relationship with him. And to be honest I was a little intimidated because they looked like college professors and I didn't know how open they would be to me or to the Bible. And yet despite my fear I still felt very clearly inside that God wanted me to go and talk to them about a relationship with him. So after much hesitation I walked up to the group, I introduced myself, I said hi my name is Mark, I asked them if they would be interested in talking about their relationship with God, to which they began to laugh. And so I said, what's funny? And they said, well, this is interesting because that's exactly what we are talking about. (laughs) And And then the conversation took off from there. As you hear from God, your faith will grow as you experience God speaking to you and you respond in obedience and trust Him, your faith will grow as you see God's faithfulness. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing the Word of God. Now, I'd like to turn a corner and talk about where to go from here. And this is something that I would like you to talk about in your life groups this week. I want you to talk about where to go from here. And here are some of the discussion questions for your life group. What has God said through the Bible, or other means, that you consider impossible? What has God revealed about his power and faithfulness to demonstrate to you that you can trust him? Has God given you an assignment which apart from him is impossible? And if so, what is it? And how are you responding to this assignment? And so in your small groups this week or during lunch after church, I want us to talk about Where are you going from here? Where is God leading you? And in case you haven't figured it out yet, this is one of the unspoken rules in the kingdom of God. Every message comes with a little homework, sometimes a lot of homework. And as you explore how to develop great faith, here are three dangers to avoid. Number one, avoid the danger of assuming too much responsibility. If God said it, he will do it but we can unknowingly overestimate our part there is a difference between cooperating with god and assuming primary responsibility the things of god are not things that you can do they are not here are some examples god wants you to be free from sin he wants you to have victory over sin you might think it's up to you and try really hard. You might be genuinely sincere in giving your very best effort to do, to honor God, only to find yourself responding the same way tomorrow or next week or next month. The things of God are not things you can do. Jesus already conquered sin. Our part is getting to know Jesus. Invest yourself in getting to know him. He said, I am the way. As Toto quoted earlier, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He also said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Our part is getting to know Jesus. His part is setting us free. So, avoid the danger of assuming too much responsibility. Secondly, avoid the danger of comparison. It's easy to compare ourselves to others. And when we do, there can be one of two responses. We can be discouraged when we compare ourselves to other Christians who are more mature and we see their level of faith. Younger Christians should not compare themselves to older Christians because the older Christians have had more time to experience God. They've had more time to get to know God. They've had had more time to learn how to trust God. All of us, no matter where we are, should simply do our best and trust God for the rest. My daughter, Nicole, when she was in middle school, she was on the, the basketball team and Terry and I, we just love watching our kids play basketball. That's our favorite pastime. But I tell you, it was a hard season because they lost every single game, every one of them. And we would look at the scoreboard and then we would look at each other and we'd think, oh man, <laughs> what are we gonna say in the car on the way home? You know, we would try to encourage her and give her a pep talk, and and we would always say, you know what, sweetie? You know, what's important is that you do your best, that you hone your skill. And, you know, as a result of that, she actually became a very good basketball player. But if she had compared herself to the winning team, the winning players, she could have easily gotten discouraged and quit. So avoid avoid the danger of comparing to others. Another challenge, which is equally dangerous, is when we compare ourselves to others and we think, you know what? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. This is good. You know, in, when we compare ourselves and we think we're doing better to, than others, that's where pride can sneak in. And we may forget that God is the one who causes the growth. We can avoid pride by remembering the grace of God. Do you remember the definition of Grace. What is grace? Undeserved favor. Undeserved favor. Even the Apostle Paul, who did signs and wonders and wrote much of the New Testament, said, I am what I am by what? By the undeserved favor of God. A good way to measure yourself is to stand as tall as you can and then compare yourself to Jesus. Keep standing tall, as tall as you can, but then look up and go, man, I have a long way to go. (laughs) Avoid the danger of comparing yourself to others. Next, avoid the danger of wanting things now. We live in a world of instant gratification. You want to look at something, you just get your tablet or your phone and you can click, 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 there it is. And if you don't like what you see, you can swipe it away with your finger. And this illusion of convenience can wiggle its way into the expectations of our life. For example, many young people are accustomed to a certain lifestyle provided by their parents. It's easy to want the same lifestyle when you become independent and launch out on your own, but you need to remember It took your parents 20 to 30 years to achieve what they have. Many young people, they want a lifestyle that's like their parents, or maybe even better. And if you don't have the cash, then you go into debt in order to speed up the purchases. We're tempted to make things happen now. And one way we do this is living on credit. Your check can already be spoken for even before you get it. And if you live on credit, eventually you discover that you're actually working for the bank. When we live on credit, we become slave to the lender. And this is an example of shortcuts with serious consequences. On the other hand, trusting God for things takes time. God created time. He built time into the fabric of this life. You know, it takes a hundred years to grow an oak tree. It takes six months to grow a squash. You want to be an oak tree or you want to be a squash? You want to be an ephit tree or you want to be a tarot plant? If it's an oak tree or an ephit tree firmly rooted into the rock, It will remain standing even in a super typhoon. Branches may break, but the tree remains. If you want quality, it takes time. And God is in the process of building things that will last forever. And your relationship with him is one of them. So avoid wanting things now. We're going to land the plane with Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles. Avoid the dangers. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. How do you develop great faith? Keep your eyes and ears on Jesus. That is, experience God hear from God. Avoid the dangers. Avoid sin. And as you cooperate with him, know this. He is authoring and he is perfecting your faith. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for this life. Lord, thank you that you are transitioning us from trusting in self to trusting you. Lord, sometimes the lessons are challenging. Lord, but based in our experience in the wheelbarrow so far, you have proven yourself faithful. And so, Lord, we ask that you would give us the ability to go up a level trust you for the next thing that you have in store. And if you would keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed, I'd like you to think about what does that mean for you? What is it that you sense God is inviting you to trust him for? And I want to give you a few moments to do some business with God and just respond to whatever it is that you sense he's inviting you to trust him maybe finances family work maybe it's something with health maybe it's something you read in the Bible it's hard to let that have a place to land in your heart you're saying, God, how? How can this be? He loves you, and he's faithful to show you if you want to know. He's just waiting for you to cooperate, just to do your part of being with him, getting to know him. And he will grow you. He's the author and the perfecter of your trust relationship with Him. Yes, Lord. And so, Father, you see your people. You know what it is that they have in mind, what's in their heart. Lord, I ask that you would reveal your faithfulness. Lord, I ask that you would overcome fear and allow each one of us to trust. And if you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, there may be some in the audience here today as you hear me talking about having a relationship with God, learning how to trust Him. A relationship with God is something that's been on your mind lately. Perhaps you sense that God's been trying to get your attention. And that's why you're here today. You're seeking, searching. Let's pray. God, I'm here. I sense that you've been getting my attention. And so I'm here and I'm saying, yes, I want to know you. I want to experience you. And so today I'm making a decision to open up my life and I invite you to come in by your spirit. I invite your spirit to come into mine, to be in my life. And I ask you to forgive me for the things I've done those things that have hurt others, myself, most of all, my relationship with you. I thank you for Jesus, and I receive his forgiveness for me. And if you're praying this prayer right now, I want you to take a moment, by faith, this is what we've been talking about, to let him come into your life, let him be with you, be one with you. He's been waiting for this moment to have this relationship. Just receive his presence, receive his love, receive his forgiveness. This is for you. This is why Jesus came. Father, I thank you for coming into my life. I ask that you would give me a new start. Lord, show me how to live your way. Lord, show me the way life is supposed to be according to your original design. Make me the kind of person you want me to be.